Hospitality Meets is brought to you by Rotacloud, the people management platform for hospitality teams. With its intuitive drag-and-drop rota planner and built-in budgeting tools, Rotacloud users spend an average of 66% less time on staffing-related admin, leaving them with more time to spend with their customers, train staff, or simply take a well-earned break. Head over to rotacloud.com forward slash fill to explore Rotacloud's full range of tools and features and sign up for your 30-day free trial. Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Natalie Tate, People Director at those wondrous hospitality disruptors, Art Farm. Coming up on today's show, Natalie tells us how to be successful at Art Farm. If you can manage ambiguity, you'll get on really well here. Phil loses his focus. Head's already in the pub. And Natalie recounts a hellish moment of terror. I, and I'm not being dramatic to say this, I genuinely thought I was going to die. All that and so much more as we chat through Natalie's epic journey so far. Natalie is one of my oldest hospitality mates, and so I was more than thrilled when she invited me to Art Farm Head Office in London to chew the fat over her life and career. And what a wonderful career she is carving out for herself. But as my last preview snippet might allude to, it's a story that throws up way more than just a gentle, focused stroll to where she is now. A huge thank you to Natalie for being so open throughout. One final thing before we get into it, and I know I go on about this, but if you can take two seconds to subscribe to the show and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts, it really makes a huge difference. Enjoy. And a massive hospitality meets welcome to Natalie Tate. Forgot who you were there for a second. <laughs> it's been so long, Phil. I've known know. you forever. It's Hello. like, who is she? Um, thank you. Thank you very much. It's You're very, very welcome. How are you? I'm, I'm really well, actually. I'm... Really happy that the sun is shining, and as we were chatting before, just been out in London on a Friday and seeing people spilling out of pubs and, you know, just enjoying the sunshine yeah. is, is brilliant, because this summer's been, it was kind of okay, and then it just sort yeah, of black cloud over us for a little while, yeah. so, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm super. Thank Brilliant. You. Yeah. Yes. You okay? Yeah, great. Thanks That's for asking. I don't think anybody normally asks me that. Well, back. Yeah, yeah. It's Hospitality 101, isn't it? Like, <laughs> how are you? Absolutely. Very good. Yeah, so just cool. tell the world who you are and what you mm. do. Okay. So I I am the people director. Oh, now seems to be senior director of people at Art Farm. So I look after, well, when I started a couple of years ago, I looked after about 200 220 people. We're now about 600 people, um, which I'm sure we'll go into. But um, yeah, we, we've got a really interesting business um, owned by House and Worth, which is a, an art gallerist, essentially. And it was sort of the sister business to House and Worth. Very, very different businesses, um, as I'm sure you can imagine. But actually, on a consumer level, work really, really closely. Art, food, drink, all just kind of work. So yeah, so I look after um, the whole people function here. Yeah, and well, I mean, Art Farmer is definitely one of the more eclectic names yeah. that's out there. Yeah. But art on one side, I'm guessing there's a farm involved somewhere. Mm, exactly, and the the name Art Farm sort of came up from Ivan and Manuela, who are our owners, um, walking in Somerset on their farm, and that's really what the really well the, the true essence of Art Farm is. It's it's bringing art to the masses essentially doing things different with art um utilizing it in hospitality business in a different way not just simply hanging art on the wall mm. but on the farm side of things we have a farm we rear our own cattle we utilize that cattle in our restaurants uh, we have farm a farm shop soon to be two farm shops 
um, one opening in London um, in the next couple of, in November. So it's it's about is about that. It's about food is where food is grown and how we eat food and, and enjoy food at various different levels and in different environments as well. Yeah, yeah in Scotland, Los Angeles, Somerset, London, all very very different. Wow. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So. So it is about the, the fusing of all of these wonderful things yeah. um, into an enjoyable time, really. Hospitality, Hospitality. experience. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll so probably get into it because you're yeah. you have an eclectic mix of businesses for sure. Yeah, and I love that. But like, mm. you, it's almost like you're not conforming to no. what the world tells you to do. You're kind of creating your own space. Yeah, and it's all about place uh, for Ivan Manuela. You and our CEO, all of us, you know, it's, um, it of course starts with them. Um, it's all about the place and the reason and the why. And it's not just about rapid expansion. And yeah, there is, there is expansion there and it's exciting and there's a lot going on. But we're not going to just blindly open something that doesn't make sense for the place, the location, the environment, the people, the proximity to a gallery, the art and culture. It, it, it all feeds in. And and you t- you tone it up and dial it up and dial it down, you know, re- depending on the place. But but then when we are there, it's about enhancing that community. So it's one of our core values is that we enhance communities, right? And not just financially, you know, it's it's about really making a difference in that community. We do it a lot in Scotland, and we we find different ways of doing it in other places. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um it's it's hugely eclectic, and we we want to keep it that way. Yeah. It will always be that way. Yeah, yeah. I love that. No, yeah, it's yeah. cool. Cool. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, before you got here, uh-huh. uh, there's a bit of a backstory as <laughs> yes. to how you ended up here. Always. So take us all the way back to the beginning the of back. your career slash life slash yeah. whatever exactly. makes sense. Um, how did born. you get into <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then... <laughs> and then <laughs> I had to practice some words. No, it's funny, actually, because when, um, when we talked about doing this podcast, um, I thought, yeah, that sounds like good fun and really wanted to support and, you know, get involved. And but. I ran, no, 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 no. I randomly clicked on another one of your podcasts, a slight detour here, and it was Sally Beck from Royal Lancaster. Yeah. It was Royal Lancaster. I mean, she's a great, you know, person in our industry and, you know, totally admire what she's Icon. doing, especially with the um, Hoteliers Charter and everything else. All great. Um, but it's funny how she's from Scunthorpe. As am I. Yeah. I felt like, you know, reaching out to her and going, hey, do you know such and such? Because it, it really is a small <laughs> what town. What generation are you in well, I, Yeah, exactly. So, um, but I, I, I was born and grew up in Scunthorpe. So until I was 19. Right. Um, and I didn't particularly perform very well at school. Didn't really like it. Um, I didn't, I liked some things, but I didn't like the educational system. And it just it just wasn't really for me. So I did okay. You know, I was kind of like just average at everything. Classic CD kind of, um, yeah. you know, results. Was that because it just wasn't, you weren't engaged with it? Yeah. I think it, it just, school is a, is a really tricky thing because you, you kind of, and I see it now, and I, and I see people that can't get onto a creative course because they haven't got a GCSE in maths and English. And I just think there's something wrong with that. Yeah. You know? Like, how can you translate that? My my niece is has got Asperger's, right? Quite quite a heavy dose of Asperger's, and she she loves photography and she's a talented photographer, but couldn't get on. To, she has been in college. 
She's 20. She, she's been in college for years trying to get onto a course, resitting and resitting GCSEs because that's what the educational system tells you. Yeah. I mean, my situation, I kind of scrape by, but I really love the creative. So home economics, um, art, um, languages. I loved all of that. Yeah. Good but idea. there wasn't enough of that in school when, when I was growing up to really, really at that point, know what I could do and what a good career might be for me because all of the career chat was about, you know, sort of academic stuff and I went to a normal comprehensive school. We, we, we're never going to be doctors. But, you know, it, it, it was all about um, just normal run-of-the-mill educational, sort of onward educational and then careers. So um, I sort of got through school and I, I said this to my niece, actually, just get through it. Just get your head down, get through it. Because yeah. if you don't enjoy it, just it will end soon. It's, okay. well, it's the same You're principle. As, no, no, indeed. The same principle like, as when you are learning to drive and you pass your test. Yeah. Like, that's when you really start learning, yeah. right? Yeah, and then you've got, then you've got problems. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. You haven't just got somebody next to you on the break. Everybody's useless. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, um, I mean, if anything, you're protected and, you you know, you've got everything. But so I, I did slightly better on my GCSEs than I thought, which was remarkable and it then spurred me to go and enroll in college I picked the wrong subject I enrolled in college but at the same time got myself a job in a shop and then as soon as I turned 18 I got a shot a job in a pub right and at the same time as that the shop that I was working in I increased my hours there it was kind of like an electrical store like Curry's type thing it was Comet or something it was called at the time oh god I remember that Comet yeah exactly so I used to walk around selling people stuff that I had nothing about, but basically position myself so I could read the card behind the appliance and just tell them what was on the card and they thought that was my knowledge. It was brilliant. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, oh, it's Dolby Surround Sound. They're like, what's that? I said, don't know, it's just here. Yeah. Um, that was the first first uh, time that you're getting the opportunity to learn how to blag. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And here we are. Yeah. Um, so, um, so no, we. but I found myself bunking off college to go to work because I just loved it and my mum said to me just go to work Natalie it's okay you know you've given it a go we know you hate it just 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 do that if if you genuinely want to work hard then don't don't go to college so I I dropped out of college and it was the best decision I ever made at that time yeah and then I got to know somebody that worked in the pub she'd been working in London I came down for the weekend and I say never went back. I came back the weekend following, found myself a flat in the Loot newspaper, as you did back then. Got myself a job in Yates's and Leicester Square. What is a newspaper? Yes, exactly. I bought it from the shop. <laughs> and I bought the travel card from the shop as well, mm. which is remarkable. I got myself a job immediately in Yates's and Leicester Square. And I and I have I say I haven't been back. I, I do keep in touch with my family and go back up for weekends. But right. and that's it. I that, you, that's, you haven't been back to the Yates's and Leicester Square. I, I haven't either. No, yeah. both, both <laughs> things I have never returned to. But no. So so then I, I I've stayed in London and now I've been in London more than I was anywhere else. So I've been in London for what twenty one years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So instant love then really was it in yeah, terms I loved it. of. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. It was for me. I knew the speed at which people walk in tube stations, I thought, this is a bit of me. You know, I've I've got energy. I want to do something. This is lively. I'd never seen anything like this before. I'd never seen people of different race. I'd never different different you know, colours and, and the way that people dressed and I'd never seen anything like that before. Yeah. Um and I just thought it was brilliant. Wide eyed. 
Loved it. Absolutely yeah. loved it. And I thought, I want to get amongst this and get to know some of these people. And and hospitality was that vehicle for me. So literally working ground up, then started working in a pub chain, got to on a trainee manager ship, up to assistant manager, manager. And, you know, I was I was running I ran my first pub when I was twenty. And the um, the license was twenty one and over. You know, before back in the day when it was the license in the pub and your mm. name above the door and everything else, you had to be twenty one to be in this pub. And I was the manager, so we had to apply for the license to be eighteen and over, so I could manage it. Right, it's cool, it's brilliant. Yeah, my God, I mean, and actually, if you think about it, maybe in the moment you don't really think about these things, but no. it's a monumental amount of responsibility to put on the shoulders of a 20-year-old. Yeah, but because I'd worked and I, and I wasn't in that educational system, I'd had to sort of fend for myself a bit. So it kind of propelled me forward in terms of growing up quite quickly because it was only then I'd been in London for a couple of years that I then, one of the times that I went home to see my family and I've been trying to keep in touch with school friends but it wasn't really easy for me because we were just living different worlds and different lives Mm -hmm. and I would come back talking about all these things that I've been doing and the business and and not complicated business speak this is a pub but they just look at me all like glazed over going what are you talking about you know what's what's this Um, and so I quickly kind of spent more time and more attention in London and building a life here because it just suited me. And regrettably, you know, I speak to some friends on Facebook and we've been to a reunion and, and that kind of thing, but they're not my mates, you know, like, um, yeah. and, and that's what, that's that's the trade-off really. Right. In that sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so running a pub at 20, mm-hmm. how yep. did how did it progress from there? Well, I, I ran a couple of pubs and, and it's quite fun actually because when, you, when you're when 20 and, and you run a pub, you often live above the pub and one minute I was living in Wandsworth, the next I was in Camden and, you know, I got to go to different places and, and you know, experience living in different parts of London and then I sort of settled down to rent a flat <laughs> right. with a friend of mine, Joss, who's brilliant. I actually met him in the pub, of course you do. And then I was a manager of a couple of pubs. So this one, we're getting serious now. Like I'm a manager of a couple of pubs. I'm sort of in my mid-20s, mid to late 20s. And it was only the fact that I had a back injury that was getting worse. And when you're that age, I don't think you often pay attention to your health very much. Mm-hmm. I certainly didn't. I was having a lovely Indestruct- time running pubs. Destructible, yeah. Working hard. And yeah, I was indestructible. And it got to the point that I then actually did figure out what a chiropractor was and how they could help me and I and and I had some treatment and they were like look this, this style of work on your feet pounding isn't good for your the way that your body is and your structure you know maybe now we could you know sort of fix that but back in the day back then it was just like mm, I'd consider getting a desk job if I were you sort of thing and I was right. like oh my uh, god the solution. how do I do that like <laughs> right. I can't work in an office nobody yeah. will have me and I suppose yeah that must have been like a something to behold to contemplate at the time because the only thing that you've kind of known and loved loved so far in your career has been this job at that time I also had blue hair quite a few piercings I was in Camden I lived in a pub in Camden Camden. yeah you're not allowed to live in Um, Camden without blue hair you have to fit in in your early 20s I lived above the pub so I was a millionaire and they paid me an okay salary but I had no bills so I was just a 
Tony and Guy every weekend getting something <laughs> coloured or getting something pierced or like that's just what you did. Yeah. Bought some throwaway clothing. So I thought, what can I do? And I applied for a job in recruitment, but in chef recruitment. Right. Hospitality recruitment. And I had a couple of interviews. I went to one agency, which I won't name, but I hated it. It was literally like ring the bell if you got a placement, mm. really salesy and you had to wear a suit and I always thought women in men, male kind of fitted suits just didn't... Now it's great. You can get really nice formal wear. But back then, it was just like not not great. Right. You know, I just felt really corporate, really uncomfortable, a bit itchy. But then I did find a, a group of guys that had been in recruitment for ages and I started working with them and it, and it worked. It was great. And they said, we want you to set up a new desk they call it in recruitment. That's right, got a desk. Yes. You know all about this, don't you? Indeed, yes. Be careful what I say about recruiters. So, um, <laughs> no, they're all out there. It's all right. We can all take on the it. table. You've got an edit. Um, <laughs> so, we, so I set up this chef desk and, and did recruitment and did that for about two or three years and really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Met loads of chefs. And I, I focused on um, like contract catering. So I went to a lot of the business and industry outlets in sort of outlets more inlets aren't they in um in london yeah. so um ubs it's actually a really like, good way of summing that up to be honest <laughs> just like the service themselves yeah deutsche bank some of their private you know houses and stuff i mean it's amazing yeah. and the quality of food i've got a cracking cookbook actually called uh, the hidden chefs really and it's all from the chefs who yeah. work in these kind of environments because i met some great people their quality the standard of the food is mm. incredible incredible yeah. like, it's so good and that's really what got my passion or kept my passion growing for food and drink because there's the pub game and then there's learning this whole other side of cooking and, and service and, and everything else. So when the role came up at D&D London, the reason I wanted to take that role was because I was so nerdy on wanting to follow the careers of these people that I was placing but yeah. the recruitment model is to say goodbye to them keep in touch next. but then kind of move on to the next <laughs> yes. thing you said it I mean yeah. but we're not all like that by the way exactly you know Just but to be clear, you know but. at the same time I, I wanted to be involved um, and then this job came up as recruitment and retention coordinator at D&D and I thought oh that's a bit of me but D&D that's a bit posh um, so <laughs> No comment. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, moving on. Moving um, on. What um, uh, what did they have in their uh, in the mix at the time? Because they obviously did. they've they've had a, an expanding portfolio mm. for quite a long time, and then obviously things have changed in the last. So couple they had about twenty five restaurants, something like that. Right, so it was, okay. a, it was a decent size. Yeah, it had yeah. gone from Conran into D and D. Right. Uh, they'd gone through the credit crunch. You know, the, yeah. the recession. I don't um, think they came out the back of that very positively in yeah terms i mean they the they upward trajectory after that they did and they'd they'd pivoted they'd they'd really shrunk down their head office overheads and then they'd really sort of you know run a good business and then they they expanded on after that um and i started butler's wharf looking after four restaurants along with plateau and 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 so you know it kind of they this restaurant can you go look at this can you go look at that and it was just such good fun because I got the opportunity to create my own job really I worked right. with Carol Ken she was brilliant Liz Cave these people yeah, that I still work with now I saw Liz last week she's amazing and these people become your mentors like you know I speak to Liz on a monthly basis what do you think about this you know like right. it's just just there so the team that I work with that HR team were incredible yeah and it was that HR team that said to me 
I said, I've got too much on. I was there for a couple of years doing this recruitment retention role. And it is a compliment. They were giving me bigger remits, but there's only one of me at the time. And then I think somebody... Have you, have you managed to clone yourself? Yeah, no, no. Two I mean, of you, though. You wouldn't, nobody would want that. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but <laughs> the, um, somebody said to me, it might have even been Liz or maybe Ian Horrocks at the time, that said, oh, you could, you could go do HR at the hotel. It was pre-opening and, and everything else. And I was like, really? And I thought about it and I met the team and I thought, oh, this is, this is great. And I thought, well, I don't know anything about HR. And they said, well, but you're doing it. And I was like, no, because I thought it was all about the qualification. I didn't know what to do in a disciplinary situation, but I was doing everything else. Yeah, yeah. But you just didn't realise it at the time. I thought, no, I'm, I'm just a recruiter. Yeah. And then we launched South Place Hotel. It went from strength to strength. And that's when I really sort of... That's when you and I met as well. Yes, yeah. exactly. In fact, I think it might have yeah. been my, weirdly, my wife that got me the meeting with you. Because yeah. I think she was... She was working for a hedge fund around that area at the time. Oh. They were looking to do something at South Place. Mm. And I said, oh, put in a good word for me, because I'd love to get involved <laughs> with that, because it's a, an absolute yeah. cracking hotel. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, and right up my alley in terms mm. of uh, that boutique kind of focus, yeah. luxury. Yeah. Relaxed. Relaxed. Designed, yeah, yeah, yeah. beautiful, yeah, yeah, yeah lovely. Yeah. Great yeah. hotel. Stunner of a place. Yeah. I still remember our first meeting. Still remember yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Me too. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know details, but I remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah exactly, um, exactly. But uh, yeah, so that was your first foray, and actually, there's something that just sparked something in in me there to just kind of ask you around, which yep. was, to me, you just kind of nailed when good things happen when you're surrounded by good people. Because oh, completely. Imagine the 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 flip side of that is that you're you're going into a company whereby you're you don't have that level of support yeah. or you don't have that ca camaraderie or whatever it is, yeah. that little magic spice that just yeah. makes something work yeah. really well. Your career takes on a completely different angle, doesn't it? Yeah, completely different. And, you know, it, and I, that, that now is the most important factor in my career in a job, let alone moving jobs. If I'm not sense checking the people that I'm working with mm. and getting something fun out of that, then it's what, not. like doing podcasts and then stuff. It's, yeah, exactly. Wild. <laughs> um, then it's not it's not working, is it? Yeah. So I think that's super important. I had the support. I worked with the best team of people. I learned about culture. I learned about when things are hard, that if you've got enough people swimming in one direction, then the one or two people swimming against you just feel very much outnumbered. Not in a clicky, horrible way, but in a, in a good, positive, cultural way. Mm. Um, and that's how you get stuff done. And... I looked, South Place Hotel, I talked to, with Suzanne, who, Suzanne Trout, who was the GM there for, for ages, we worked together, she was director of F&B when we started, we were, we were just such a great team, she's now a dear friend and, you know, we love her to bits, but at that time we went through so much together, but we just had the best team, the best team, yeah. it's, like, it's like your baby, you know, like even if I walk past it now, a little bit of something, a little <laughs> lump in my throat, I'm like, oh my baby, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. First ever proper opening like that. Yeah. With hardship. And what I also love about that is the fact that you know, you kind of went in that with, from your own perspective, not much experience, but actually no. you got loads of experience to yeah. because ultimately in a, in, a, in a role like that through a new opening, mm. it's got to be about the people, right? I mean, it's mm. got to be about your ability to be able to identify who's going to work well with who and yeah. why and all of that kind yeah. of stuff. And that's, yeah, the, the 
disciplinary things and all of the technical side of, of yeah. HR, yeah. you can't really learn until you're in it anyway. Exactly, exactly. And I'd say that to anybody because also going into that environment, you, you then, my eyes were wide again. You know, I was looking at people that had done this before. A chap called Simon Willis, who's amazing, amazing marketeer, comms. You know, he, he knew what he was talking about. And, and just to sit in that room with some of these people and not feel that you have to wing it or, you know, just, just sort of witness them at work puts you on such a learning curve. Mm. You know, I reference things I learned in those pre-opening meetings now, you know, in terms of how to do things and what we should be doing. So, yeah, teams, the best. And, and also, yeah, not, not, it's not what you don't know because you, you know more. You don't always need other people to validate what <laughs> what it is that you do know, but you're sort of working through that. Then at the end of it, you can then look back and go, "Oh, I, I did, yeah. I did know a little bit more than I thought." Yeah, time, you know. It sounds like as well that that whole kind of scenario plays right into your character, yeah. in the sense of yeah, steep learning, yeah. but surrounded by people who give yeah. our monkeys, who are all pulling in the same direction. Yeah. And as you say, when you're in that environment and everybody cares as much as as they you did. do about Everyone did, yeah. then you can't help but you'll know, stride forward mm. at pace because nobody's getting in your way no and you're also allowed to be yourself and every job since then job role position whatever it's become more and more important to me and the people around me is to be yourself, mm. be allowed to be yourself, because that's when you, I was just talking to somebody this afternoon. That's when you get the best out of people. If you if you make them fall into your routine regime, sometimes with you know some hospitality businesses, you just you just put people's backs up. You just it just it's not natural. And if you're if you're wearing the right clothing for you, if you're in the right environment, supported by people that have got your back and want to be around you then you can do your best work because it's a safety thing, isn't it? Comfort. Yeah. yeah. And, and sometimes I think we forget that. Yeah. So it's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Sorry to interrupt, but a quick word to give special mention to our sponsor, Rotacloud, without whom this podcast wouldn't even be possible. With thousands of customers worldwide, Rotacloud is already saving businesses like yours hundreds of hours of staffing-related admin every year. It's been described by its users as everything from a lifesaver to an absolute no-brainer, with one customer even saying that they'd rather stick forks in their eyes than go back to doing their rotas the old-fashioned way. If you're ready to take the pain out of people management, I highly recommend heading over to rotacloud.com forward slash fill to sign up for your free 30-day trial and see how Rotacloud can benefit your business. Now let's get back to it. So how long were you there at South mm, Place? A few years. So altogether at D&D, about five and a bit years, maybe six years altogether. Right. And then it got to the point that I think we all get to that I probably, and we, we saw a lot in that time, general management change. And I was very operational as well because, because we'd built it, you know, we were you know, on the floor a little bit as well. It wasn't just classic HR. So I wanted to do something. I felt like the time was right for me to move on. It was one of those things that I probably have to reinvent myself or do all that work again. And I just really didn't want to do that. I just right. thought... I'm going to go see something different. And I was approached for a couple of jobs at the time, or I looked at a couple of jobs, and the, the role at Home House came up. At that time in my career, I, the, the other role was a group role that was sort of in between restaurants and, and sort of, you know, supporting in that sense, which you know about. 
And yeah. um, but for me, I just thought actually I want to spend a little bit more time in the business because I I liked going to work in the property. So Climb House for me it was it was something new. It was private members. Remember this girl from Scunthorpe that just worked in pubs. Yeah. That is, you know, started to see a bit more of the world. Yeah. Um, working in a private members club in Marlebone was like, wow, this is exciting. Um, and it was the first HR director on paper, you know, relatively quick. But I felt excited about it. And it was a, a, a similar size business to, to South Place in terms of employees. Needed a lot of work in terms of setup and, and that kind of thing, which I thought, I, can, I think I can do this. And yeah, joined, joined Home House. Yeah. About four and a half years at Home House. Yeah, I, well, I remember that move happening yeah. uh, as well. Um, great business. Really yeah. great. Uh, like a, quite a unique Super unique, private yeah. members club. Yeah. But also, again, surrounded by, certainly from the outside looking in, mm. a, a group of people who are just really, really focused on making it as good as it can be. Yeah. And whatever that means behind the scenes yeah. to, to make it happen. No, they love that business. They love it. It's a lifestyle business in that sense. I mean, we're running a business and it's, you know, it's not... It's not all, you know, fun and games in that sense, but very much invested in that business because members come back every day. So when you work in that same building, as you share the same space. So you get to know members just by being around because it's the same customer set, similar customer set that comes in every day. So you be- become part of that fabric. Yeah. And the, the building's amazing. It's like going to work in a museum. It was yeah. just beautiful. That's one of those where you, you go up, Upstairs and then across a bit and then down some stairs yes, and, then, you know, and then you might get to yeah. the, the vicinity of where lost. you need to be. Yeah, you're looking for the loo and you're in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just and it was beautiful, beautiful environment to work in. People that had, some of the staff have been there for I think at that time like eighteen, twenty years, some of them, but some of them brand new. Um, so working through that. In some ways, it was like turning an oil tanker to try and change something. Right. In other ways, it was nice and fresh and there was an appetite to do stuff. So, yeah, I had a great time at Home House and yeah. learned a lot working with different people. I was going to say, because, again, here you are in a okay, you know, different business, similar yeah. size, yeah. but not without its own unique set of challenges yeah. and things that need to be yeah. fixed, slash changed, slash yeah. whatever. So, again, that... There's a kind of running theme through your <laughs> yes. career so far yes. that um, that you you like to test yourself. Yeah, no, of course, and and it, it's not wildly uncomfortable, so it's okay. It's familiar. Yeah. Now, you've got familiarities there, but we say here at Art Farm, if you can manage ambiguity, you'll get on really well here. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's kind of interview question number two. Is that you know how are you with? Tell me a bit about yourself, and secondly, how are you with ambiguity? Right. Um, because it's we're, we're trying to fix that, and as we're getting bigger, we have to. And you know, there's things that we're putting in place and everything. But that that sense of ambiguity is just it's just fun and it's different. And as long as you're on the right path with the right people in the right way in the positive culture, it's not toxic or negative or anything. It's not mm-hmm. bad ambiguity. It's not not knowing. But, you know, there's there's an element of fun. So to that point of, I didn't think I could be a HR manager when I was a HR manager. Well, actually, I could because I did know. And actually, if you just trust yourself a little bit to step a little bit further, then you, well, you do know. And if you don't know, well, you can learn because yeah. nobody ever woke up knowing how to do everything. No, indeed. I, I've, this This comes up more and more under discussion. Yeah. Actually, that it's just a very simple principle around the fact that actually 
as humans, yeah. we really don't know a lot about anything. No. And when you kind of realise that, yeah. it's a liberating thought because yeah. you know then you can welcome in yeah. a bit of chaos. Yeah. You can welcome in the moments whereby yeah, you're out of your depth because... I'll take some learning from this. Yeah. Um, and you can say to your colleagues, oh, I'm out of depth here. And I'll go, me too. Or they'll go, yeah. okay, <laughs> well, I know how I can help you. Yeah. It's just framing, isn't it? Yeah, and, and totally. And, and that's all about the culture allowing you to do that as well, of course. Yeah, you've so got you, to. you'll have, regrettably, there are still lots of businesses out there who, if you are that honest with somebody, yeah. then you're showing the door. Yeah. But the, the fact of the matter is that this is a business that's very, very dynamic. Mm. So in whatever form that looks like. Yeah. And there's always going to be stuff that, that happens that's yeah. completely out of your control. Yeah. But like everything, right, it's how you respond to that. Yeah. And we know why we're doing what we're doing. You know, we're upholding the values and the intent of this business and our owners. And we we, we can do things and we can do right things, we do wrong things. But if you do it the right way, with the right intention, I see that that's what my job is, is to is to try and just make sure we deliver it in, in the manner that, you know, our owners would, be approval of at least yeah but you you know that's that's important because you are creating something different and something new but at the same time you've got your values and you know what you know you know what art farm should do mm. yeah but equally your part to play in that as well and your personal values yeah have to be aligned to what the business is trying to achieve yeah oh totally totally yeah. and i'm all about look have fun at work it's food and drink we are not curing cancer. There are people that do, and that's amazing, but we're not doing that. We're making sure that people have a great time in our venues yeah. and properties. So that's hugely important. But also my moral compass is really quite strong. So, you know, when it comes to the rules and when it comes to the non-negotiables, we have to we have to uphold those, you know, and that, that, that's the balance. Yeah. So I, I think I've got that balance. I think my team have got that balance. We're all very like-minded, brilliant team across at HR and, and L&D. And um, yeah, I'm hoping we do that do that well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've kind of moved forward a little bit in the fullness yeah. of that discussion. Yeah, sorry about that. But there's, a, there's something happened at Home House. We're not at Home House. No, not at Home House. And I no. will remember this. I'm sure you remember it way better than I do, but <laughs> I remember that you and I were scheduled to go out for dinner. Yeah. And maybe on, on the Friday or something like that. And then I, I got a, a message from you out of nowhere saying, is there any chance that we could yeah. postpone? I was involved in something that happened earlier that week. Yeah. Would you like to tell everybody what that was? Yeah, yeah totally. So I was um, having, six years ago now, had the best day out with my best friend in London who also works in hospitality um, and works for D&D. Still, and we had the best day out. We went to Borough Market in the morning. Uh, we went and had a look round. We were then scheduled to walk over the O2. You know that thing you can do. Yeah, yeah. Crackers. Yeah, um, done it. I and see. have you? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. quite good fun. Go yeah. up there and yeah. the and then just all right. And then just walk back down again. Great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my money. Um, and we had such a good time in the morning where we met. I live in North London. She lives in um, sort of like Kingston area. It was like, should we go back to Borough Market and get some food? Yeah, absolutely, let's do that. So we had some food, some wine, got to a certain point of that evening. Should we have some more wine or should we go home? I was like, oh, do you know, it's Saturday night, let's have some more wine. Not going to hurt. Exactly. What what harm can it do? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Lol. Um, <laughs> so, yes. I mean, we're laughing now, but it's been quite the journey. Mm. So, yeah, so 
you know, around um, nine, ten o'clock, I forget now. It's funny, it's like an anecdotal story that because of time moves on, I sort of forget bits of it, which it was very clear in my mind when it happened and a year or two after. But now it's quite a, a nice, pleasurable thing to have forgotten bits. So yeah, it's actually yeah, quite, yeah, I'm sure. finding this whole process quite amusing. Right. Weird. What, whatever works. Uh, whatever works for you, it's the therapy. Yeah. So, um, so essentially, um, chaos ensued. People running, screaming through the market, didn't know what was going on. It was a week after the Ariana Grande bombing up in Manchester. Right. I knew something not nice was happening and we had to move. We ran through the back of, it was a Arabica restaurant, I think it was called, um, next to the Black and Blue restaurant, which got a little bit of PR at the time because some people sadly lost their lives, I think, um, or certainly injured, yeah. um, sort of stabbed and stuff. We, we then ran through the back of the restaurant um, I face planted the floor, skidded across, took a chunk out of my arm, which was wonderful, but recovered quite quite well after that. We hid behind a van. We heard gunshots. Didn't know what was going on. We first instinct was there's people shooting people in the restaurant, so a bit like the Paris situation. Yeah, it was terrifying. We then were welcomed into um, the back of another restaurant that was further down into the market. And we hid there for about five and a half, six hours, wow. I would say. Right. Utterly terrifying. Not having a clue as to what's going on. Not a clue. Yeah. Not a clue. And there's only, the, the media doesn't catch up in time. You, you're so scared to make a peep of a noise. Um, there was about six of us that were in this sort of, it's like the, the kitchen area of a, of a restaurant, the office, basically. Mm. And... We hid out there and we could see on the CCTV armed police officers, you know, with the guns and the tor- the head torch. Yeah. But we didn't know that they were police officers. You can imagine the fear. Yeah. We were trembling. I mean, it was we were in complete and utter, like, shock. We rang the police a few times, 999, tried to ask if they could let somebody know that we were there. It was chaos. The, the emergency services were in chaos. It yeah. was just absolutely nuts. And it was it was luckily that I think it was probably about three o'clock in the morning, three thirty, that um, one of the people that we were with saw a police officer outside the front of the restaurant, um, and had the courage to put his hands up, uh, sort of in the air, and attract attention. And then at that point, we were sort of ushered out of the restaurant, but we were we were searched <laughs> out of the restaurant. You know, it was one by one at gunpoint. Right. Um, which you understand, the yeah, police yeah. have a job to do. Um, yeah, and not helping abating the terror at this moment in time. Yeah, probably. I mean, we were just, just wrecks, really, essentially. Yeah. Um, and we had nothing. We, we had left bags and stuff in the restaurant, in the first restaurant we were in. We were just, you know, my arm's bleeding. It was just, it was just crazy. And then we were we were told, we, were walk, we walked through the market that would just look like a war zone, and um, sort of under the cordon, and, and off you go. Right, <laughs> which is Jeez, bloody remarkable. Like, yeah, I actually yeah. did an event a couple of years later because I started to do a bit of campaigning on this and started working with my local MP, which we haven't got time for. Maybe phase two, but yeah. um, the, um, we. I actually I did a Q and A Q&A in front of a load of police officers and just sort of said that that everything else was brilliant apart from that, that in terms of the care and everything else. That yeah. was just like we we had to walk. And luckily, Suzanne, GM at South Place Hotel, who's a dear friend, she uh, lives in Butler's Wharf area. So I called, she just had a baby, and um, so she was awake, 
And she, <laughs> she, she texted me earlier that night to say, hey, I'm okay. And I said, I'm not. Because, you know, that's her neighbouring, that's, that's her neighbourhood. And I yeah, said, I'm yeah. not where he am. I'm close to oh my God. And um, so I was in touch with her all the way through. And, um, and then we went to her house and then um, sort of patched me up and got in a cab and went home. Got home about half past five in the morning. But it was incredible. Oh, yeah. And then I thought I would just go to work on Monday. I thought that was a good idea. Right. Until I realised that I had full-blown PTSD, couldn't cope with the noise, anybody walking quickly, running. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm Crazy. not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, none of us, I suppose, unless you've been through something like that, can really ever comprehend no, how you're going to react, how, how you're going to be in the moment and, and all yeah. of these things. I think the vast majority of us would, would love to say that we'd be the big hero, but I think most of us would no. put our tail between our legs and scarf or... Yeah as quickly as we, we can. What The reason why I wanted to, to talk about this, one, you cleared it to talk about uh, yeah, as well. I didn't yeah. want to put you in a situation that you were uncomfortable <laughs> with. But two is, for me, it's the, the, well, there's two things. What changed for you after that? And the second thing being, like, how did you recover? Like, how did mm. you get past it and, yeah. uh, and beyond that? I mean, I think a couple of things changed at that point in terms of my outlook on life and how fragile it was. I, and I'm not being dramatic to say this, I genuinely thought I was going to die. Mm. The only time, and I hope to God, the only time I feel like that ever, and I don't want anybody to feel like that, because we, we did not know. It was the utmost fear. It was just there. I, I went through some therapy and actually um, somebody said to me, the therapist said to me when I thought, I'm, I'm never going to get out of this. And she said, but you, you changed that night, didn't you? And I said, yes, I did. And she says, you've proven to yourself that you can change. I said, yes, I did. I see where you're going with this. Bugger. Yeah, all right, smart ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what we're paying you the big bucks for. Yeah. Um, but that helped me. Because, yes, I can change again. I can. And it did take some time. It took, it, it took a year or two, maybe a bit more, of in and out of the right sort of a bit of therapy, a bit of self-care, a bit of relapsing and, you know, everything else. Yeah, and, yeah. It, it affected part of my life that I didn't think, so I wouldn't sleep with the window open at night. I thought that my life was in danger. I developed a fear of flying. There's loads of things that kind of came on because of this PTSD. Fireworks have never been the same. Right. So, um, but at the same time, the industry in which I work in and have loved, and Borough Market was always my favourite place to go. Of a weekend where my family came down from up north, We'd always go, have a mooch around, buy some ingredients, go home, cook something. Yeah. It was always really... Special place. It was really special. And it is special. Yeah. And I'll be damned if anybody's going to take that away from me. Yeah. Like, completely. And, you know, it got to the point that I would challenge myself to go to a restaurant. I would... It was quite nice, actually, that I worked at Home House at the time, because you couldn't get in if you weren't a member. I don't think we had any you know, suspect people on the membership list. So it gave me a little bit of security there. That um, I bought a scooter. I didn't use public transport. I tried to use practical ways to get through it. Mm. You know, you, you've, got to, you've got to keep getting out there. But it was my love and passion for this industry that I thought, I, I, I can't not be in restaurants and pubs and bars. And, you know, how, how could I? It's part of my DNA. Yeah. Um, and it helped me, and it was my own therapy, that I can now go into a restaurant and sit down not facing the door. Now I do it instinctively. Right. Like, not instinctively. Like, There's things you know. that we all take for granted, really. Yeah. But you know, given what you, you went through, 
can only imagine the, like the, even that, that first night that you went back out for a meal mm. of what you must have been going through. Yeah, to, I mean, it that. was any noise. You know, the, the noise of a, a chair scraping on the floor. Yeah. Oh, my God. That would just bring back so much. Right. Um, anything that was dropped. Anywhere I went in terms of a, a restaurant, a bar, I had an escape plan in my head as soon as I went in. Right. I knew exactly where I was going to run to, what my escape, and if I wasn't comfortable, we'd have to move. And it oh. got, it was that, you know, but you do all of that in a business meeting, not showing anything, yeah. you know, like the, like the whole swan legs, yeah. you know, analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then slowly, and that's what I said to you like earlier, it was six years ago, and my goodness, time flies, but thank goodness it does, because the time is the healer. Yeah. And they say that, and it's a cliche, but it really is. It it's, totally is, yeah. It's repetition, it's time, and it's, it's you know being very focused on not letting this define me no way mm. so you know that that's sort of what's helped and it's still now I get little bits every now and again and it'll be something random but it's that whole mindfulness thing is it? and I'm not a mindfulness person because I get distracted too easily and I can't do yoga but <laughs> at the same time it's acknowledging it and let it, let it go just come through yeah exactly just in the middle of it. yeah, yeah right. exactly oh I put the washing on yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's the extent of my ideas yeah um but acknowledging it and letting it go you know and just hoping to goodness, nothing else happens like that to the world and anybody for anybody. Yeah, hideous. But I, I suppose as well, it teaches you uh, a lesson that maybe you didn't want at the time or anything, but it no. teaches you that you are way more resilient than you think you are. Yeah, and that's that, that's a general statement for the human Everyone. race, yeah. uh, as it were. Uh, and I know that I'm getting philosophical, but I can't really no, get well, through a podcast without doing that. So it's Friday afternoon. Um, <laughs> indeed, yes, <laughs> heads already in the pub. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but. Yeah, thank you for, for sharing that no, because it's I, I think fine. There it's is, important. there's great power in overcoming adversity mm-hmm. from a story perspective because yeah. I think ultimately, what's the saying? Adversity comes for us all. So, yeah. you know, you, you kind of, it's not that you should be ready for it, but you should expect it at, at some point. And it's going to, there's a massive yeah. meter of difference between some yeah. adversity and others. But, yeah. you know, it comes back to what we've been talking about through yeah. this a, a couple of times is that, you know, yeah. we, we don't know how resilient we are we don't know how adaptable we are no. until we're put in the situation where we need to be exactly and then you learn everything that you need to know about yourself really quickly yeah but i will also say that there was a chap sebastian um who was a chef at cocktail jean with D that lost his life on that day really and right. he'd come over the bridge from cocktail jean um after his shift to watch the football it was a champions league final and um and he was one of the people that sadly lost their life that day nice. yeah so and that's 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 our world. That's our industry. That's how real it is. Yeah. So they affected people enjoying the custom, the customers, but also some of our people. Yeah. Not good. No. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Not good. Anyway. anyway yes. Let's move on. <laughs> on but, a lighter uh, note. But, but thank you. Thank <laughs> no, you. No, no, thank it's you. Fine. Thank it's you good. for sharing. It's important. Um, yeah. So we we haven't yet covered off the move to Art Farm. Um, in terms of, well, we obviously know that you're here now, but it was yeah. from home house to art farm that you yeah. that you came. So, yeah. how did that all come about? Well, it was one of those things that I wasn't particularly looking for a move. And in early 2020, I was approached for the role here, and I'd I'd sort of had a couple of chats with Andrew, who's the managing director at Home House, the Home House collection now. And you know, in terms of what's next and 
but I was quite happy and whatever. So I came for a speculative chat, as you do. Just yep. that, you know, speculative. No harm in that. Yeah, no harm in a chat. Here we are. Um, and I just really, just really enjoyed the chat. I met with Jonathan, the CFO, who's still the CFO, and Adam, who was the ops manager at the time. Um, and I just thought these guys look really interesting. I'd never, never heard of you before. Like Art Farm was a funny name for a business um at the time now it makes sense yeah um so it was it was just completely completely strange and then i had had a couple of meetings with the guys and i thought this is this is quite interesting and then a, f- a few things happened all at the same time so there was a little flu flying around in 2020 yeah yeah um, but, in um yeah. sort of february early march time to which i was quite bold about saying to my hr team oh it, it's nothing don't worry, it'll yeah. never take off. Yeah. Don't well, worry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so th- that's the, another time that was probably a little bit wrong. Um, so that was sort of happening. And then at the same time, I, myself and my partner, we knew that we wanted to start a family. And we tried and it hadn't really worked out. So I called Jonathan and I said, look, I, I really like you guys at Art Farm. Um, the pandemic thing is, is kind of hotting up a bit. I, I've got work to do here. And then secondly... You know, we're sort of planning to have a family, and I just want a full disclosure that that so it's probably not the right time to move. Mm. To which he then called back and said, "Well, actually, be- because you've said that, you know, babies are the future, and we'd we'd like you to come and work with us. But after you've done what you need to do, COVID-wise, at a home house, and that for me was like, wow. What it's you work in hospitality, and it's okay for me to go on maternity leave." Mm. Yes. Oh, you know, maybe, maybe within soon. a year yes, of exactly, arrival. Exactly that. Yeah. And so I accepted the job. And and in hindsight, it was probably just the best time for home house because the pandemic was tough and they had to, to cut back a little bit. I, I worked with them and the team and they had a brilliant team and they looked after all their people. And I sense checked with Art Farm that they had good intentions to, you know, sort of do whatever they could to protect as many people as possible in, in COVID. And, um, and we, yeah, and then I joined in June. Working from home in an office, just for a different company. Yeah. In my dining room, actually. Just, yeah. yeah. So you put the laptop down one night. Yeah, just put a different goodbye, one on and, and then, joined a different yeah. team's call. It was quite That's strange. Right. Yeah, change exactly. calls. Yeah, exactly. I didn't even have to do that. that anyway, but. I didn't have to do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> didn't people. They didn't know. <laughs> did, I didn't wear the sweatshirt all week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and here we are, three years, three and then, years yeah, on. Yeah, three years, three years on. So um, three years on. Um, my son's nearly two. Teddy, he's, he's a little whirlwind. And we've you know, gone from strength to strength, opened another couple of businesses and we've got another fair few more in the pipeline. Yeah. So, you know, my, my team, I think when I started with four people, I think there's 12 of us now. And we acquired the Groucho Club last year. Yeah, great. Just, yeah. Just really Very positive. interesting time to, yeah. to be with a company like this who yeah. are absolutely not sitting on their hands. No. And having a kid at the same time. Yeah, but again, I mean, that, that... You know, we've, we've covered that I'm a glutton for punishment. Indeed, yes, so it comes back to there's been a running theme all the way through this, <laughs> exactly. that you, you like your challenges to yeah. be uphill. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's the achievement, isn't it? Yeah, so. indeed. But as you say, you know, you, you then get the, the benefit of looking back in 10 years' time yeah. and going, look wow. what we did. Wow, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I, yeah. I genuinely believe that I work for the best hospitality company there is. Right. And that for me is success. From from pubs all the way through everything I've done, I've got acknowledgement and and such fond memories of people that I've worked with before. But but this one is really different. It's unique. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah, love it. that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah and no, ultimately cool. that's what when when you get a bit older 
as we're both moving yeah, 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 that yeah, way. Um, That's what's it, important. Yeah, do, do mm. you know, the, the, I was obsessed with success in my 30s around what that looked like, you know, mm, and, and actually n nobody can tell you what success looks like. You've got to go and find it yourself. But yeah. the success for me now is just being happy. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds really, really flippant and throw away. No, but it's true. actually, what can I do every day to make sure that I'm bettering yeah, myself? Happy, yeah. But I'm still smiling and, totally. uh, and it's just a nicer state to be in. Yeah. I used to judge my success by salaries and um, job titles. Stop that ages ago. Yeah. Um, these things are important, don't get me wrong, but yeah. Yeah, but that would be all and end all, are they? No, there's a much bigger, bigger, bigger piece to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great stuff. Well, um, Amazing. one more thing before we go. Yeah. <laughs> Always like to ask people if they've got any funny stories. Oh, God. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um... There was something that I think you wrote in your notes around yeah. the the fact that you you seem to get spooked. Oh no, no, because my team um, my my team find this hilarious. That well, the, the first thing is I asked a couple of people. Liz Cave was one of them actually. I was like, what what's a funny story that's happened in my career that I can actually talk about? And she was like, yeah. mm, mm -hmm. now we're now we're a challenge because we could have a whole different podcast. I on, mean, that would be a great podcast. On other other things from yes. private members clubs to you know various other things, but. The so in my world, <laughs> just very briefly, my world without farm, we have to travel a little bit. Yeah, and some of the style of property that we have, you know, we have an 18th century farmhouse in Somerset that is very rustic, um, beautiful, um, but very rustic in its appearance. Also, the Five Farms Hotel, um, that the first time I stayed there was in the pandemic that I could have been permitted to travel for business because we we're doing a reopening, mm. and at one point, I was. There was myself and the maintenance guy were the only people in this hotel. Right. So it's a bit of a reoccurring theme that in some of our properties, I just get spooked. And they did, my team just think it's hilarious. That's all <laughs> it is. And, and then more recently, I was lucky enough to stay in a private cottage uh, that I probably can't say too much about. But our owners love a bit of taxiderming. And they okay. love a bit of... Yeah, exactly. That's a and, great setup for anything. And, and the art world is is, you know as you, you'll see, you know, very varied. And it was a great privilege to be able to stay in this cottage. But the first night I shared with my colleague Gemma, the first night she arrived before me, the day before me, and she was like, and it was up in the, in the hills, like there's nothing around, pitch black Scotland, mm -hmm. just you and a, you know, Highland pony. Yeah. Um, and she was absolutely terrified. So the next day that I came up to join her, I was trying to style it out, but we did buy a couple of bottles of wine for the evening. Yeah. We kind of got through it, but it was quite terrifying. But these beautiful, a lot of the time with a beautiful location, particularly remote, I just get spooked. I get the eebie-jeebies all the time and just think, oh God, yeah. this is like from So a you're definitely film. a city girl now then? I'm definitely a city girl. Yeah. I need, act, you know, life, action, people. Not, I'm not a remote type of person i find all that stuff utterly terrifying yeah especially with taxidermy in the room i mean that that's fair i think that <laughs> taxidermy is a little bit freaky anyway there's a lot of death yeah. in in some of our hotels and you know and it's it's yes. uh it looks you great, got a badger looking at you in the corner of yeah the room. and a skull and um yeah mm. we have a wall at the five we call it the wall of death which is just all the the stag skulls and all together it looks beautiful but it, it's 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 yeah. what it is. It's death. <laughs> so it's yeah. death. Um, which is great. So, yeah, yeah it's just, I, I just get spooked very easily. They find it hilarious. Yes. Well, I look forward to the next spooking 
yeah. of oh, Natalie well, Tate. There's, there's your book title. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Great stuff. Well, thank, thank you, you so very, much. very much for, for coming on and sharing your story. No, it's my pleasure. Uh, it's, it's been, been fun. It's been great to catch up and, uh, and <laughs> yeah. do this. Long overdue. But yeah, totally. Hey, that is, that's the hospitality life. That's cool. Um, and wish you guys all the very best with the next phase of, of a continued monumental growth. Yeah, thank you. It's amazing. Thanks, Phil. No worries. Take care. And there we have it. What an incredibly rich story Natalie has, climbing the ranks from humble beginnings to fighting her way through adversity, but also proving just how important the industry of hospitality is in so many ways. We'll be back as usual at 8pm next Wednesday for another story from hospitality. So until then, thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week.